1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. If you love art, particularly the craft, I'm,
2: I'm going to have to just say it in my. That's own words. just terrible. That's so bad. I should do it instead of you. <laughs> you jerk! You wrote this. I did. Okay, say it in your own
1: words. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. We are here to talk about drawing and painting and inspire you maybe hopefully yeah, we are and give them advice yeah and basically just help you become a professional artist all of right? that
2: stuff that is why we are here
1: do
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> champion feelings Wow. We said hello. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: said hello. You guys. are Step All one right. complete. Let's,
2: let's feel good about what we've done so far.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, let's not screw up step two.
2: Okay. What's this step two? This is where two? we introduce ourselves. All
1: right. I am Stan Prokopenko. I am an artist, mostly a drawer, draftsman. Ooh. Wow. That's right. And a painter. Yeah. And I created Proko where we make drawing lessons and stuff.
2: Yes. And I am Marshall Vandruff and I am an art teacher and I was an illustrator for a great portion of my career and I still draw and still consider myself a draftsman. Do you always sit like this?
1: <laughs> and for those of you listening, Marshall is literally like, what is this? Is this like the Abe Lincoln sitting in this? It is like the Abe Lincoln Lincoln just completely symmetrical. Both hands on the sides, both legs perfectly symmetrical. That's how you're sitting. I'm in a pretty
2: relaxed mode here right now.
1: That is great. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel like I can talk to a person. Okay. Good. Thank you. I have
2: loosened up. Now we're ready to go. Okay. What's next?
1: So Marshall isn't just a teacher. He's also a famous person. No, Marshall. Let me continue. <laughs> I know the first thing you say is, no, I'm not. Okay. I've walked through Comic-Con with you several times uh-huh. and every single person behind the tables, yeah. not walking the floor, but behind the tables knows who you are and that means something well, because those are the professionals. Yeah. Those are the ones making a living off of it and those are the people that know you. Yeah. And that tells me that you taught a lot of professional artists.
2: I have taught a lot of professional artists. Yes. And I'm old. <laughs> and that means that uh, there's been true. a lot of years. Yeah, I've that's been teaching true. since I was 26 in colleges and Ooh. I'm 60 now so that's 35ish years. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that I've taught has been the popular arts which comics concept art, game design, animation, taught a lot of animators and so yeah, they go into the entertainment art. So yeah, that happens at the Comic-Con. But thank you. Yeah, for... I needed to say that because you're, you're not going to talk about yourself kindly. I feel excruciatingly uncomfortable with these compliments. I don't know why. I... You're old. Yeah, <laughs> that must be it. No, I think I would have felt uncomfortable when I was younger. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to turn the tables on this, and I'm going to compliment you and make you squirm.
1: Oh, I. Let's watch. Let's see what I can do. Feel so good when people talk about me.
2: Six (laughs) years ago. It was 2013 somebody sent me a video and said you got to see this guy's video It was how to draw the head from any angle. I went to it. It was pretty popular. It was also really good There was so much content in there that the amount of time I spent in a class is 23 25 26 minutes To explain the Loomis head and I thought it was the most concentrated thing in the world And then Stan in six minutes not only explains it But he does it better than I had ever done it in front of a classroom So I said I have got to meet this guy, and yes. then met you, and now we sort of work together.
1: You're right. You you did make me very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> how? Why? I don't know. Was it, it, was, was, it was it because I was?
2: Yeah, it was extremely powerful. Because of my pitch for for how vibrant. If no, you haven't it was seen the, that one, it was your intensity. Over two. Oh. Is it two million or two hundred million people have seen it now? The how to draw the head from any angle. Incorrect both of those. Five million. Five million. It's five million people have seen that video, which means that they have learned more efficiently on how to draw the head from any angle than any other video I know of. Okay, I did it. I did it. I made you feel uncomfortable. I thought you were going to be sitting there going, oh man, you're right, Marshall. I rock.
1: No, I'm uncomfortable. Okay, good. <laughs> Good. Okay. Good. Now we're set up. We're, oh, Mission right. accomplished. Right. Everyone's right. uncomfortable. So, Marshall, what are we going to – this podcast, okay, people, mm. people don't know why we're doing this kind
2: of – Okay, so, let's talk about why um, we're doing this. We are doing this podcast because we get tons of emails and you get more than I do because you get Instagram probably, and yeah, everything probably. else of people asking yep. questions. But there's a, you get, you get enough emails asking you questions, and there comes a point where I feel <laughs> terribly guilty for not answering, so this is an opportunity for us to answer questions. Yes. and yeah, do it for the world.
1: It's true. We're, we want this podcast to be a a better communication between with our audience than
2: what our like my lessons are. Yes. When preparing lessons that are canned lessons, recorded lessons, rehearsed lessons where everything's controlled, it's different than when we open it up to where we actually respond to things that you are concerned about. So, that's it. This is going to be dialogue, not monologue. Biologue. Multilogue, trialogue, quadrilogue, (laughs) quintologue. So many logs. So many logs.
1: Dang.
2: (laughs) It's going to be, yeah. We were having lunch. And we were talking about students fearing critiques. What do you think about that as a topic to discuss?
1: I think it's a good one. I think it's an important topic to discuss.
2: You have anything to say about it?
1: I have several things to say about it.
2: Yeah? You want to start? Is this the platform to do it on? Yeah, this is the platform (laughs) to do it on. This is a podcast, Stan. You're the star.
1: All right. Go. Okay. So, um, critiques are one of the most important things, um, one of the important elements about learning anything, I think, right? Any kind of art form or anything that you need to execute, any kind of performance or anything that requires trial and error, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like sports, music, art, learning anything requires a feedback loop, Yeah, talk about that all the time. Um, So critique is technically a a part of the feedback loop.
2: Yes. (laughs) Brief description.
1: (laughs) Okay, the feedback loop is You do something, Uh you probably make a bunch of mistakes doing it. Uh You get feedback on it from a teacher. You could use a measuring tool. You're trying to improve your proportions. You you realize, oh, no, I made a mistake. That is not the correct size. Mm -hmm. That is feedback. So it doesn't have to be a teacher. It it could be a tool, but Mm -hmm. it depends on what you're doing. Um, you, You get that feedback, you adjust, you do it again hopefully the next time you get a little bit more accurate and you slowly get better and better at whatever that thing is that you're trying to do and that's wh- that's what learning is mm-hmm.
2: um, so why would anybody fear the cri- the critique of a feedback loop which telling you how to get well, better well because
1: you it means you failed you-
2: <laughs> <gasps> Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: You're trying to get this out of me. Now we've touched Marshall the nerve. Pretending. The part of the audience surrogate. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, young student. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. That means a lot of people have a fear, fear of failure mm-hmm. Um. or just being judged. Yeah. They don't like it. But I have a fear of failure.
2: Sometimes it's a legitimate fear too you know. if you've been damaged, if you've been bruised by someone who critiques. Harshly personally, there's a whole course on conflict management on the great courses and he takes through you all through the technical terms of conflict and one of the uh, Technical terms that I did not know about this is the fundamental attribution error What it means is that when somebody makes a mistake you don't just say you have made a mistake It's that you suck. You are a mistake. It's because you are this way, and your dad was that way too. And you know, did yeah. Every little thing you do, that is who you are. That's right. And so yeah. you are held to a standard of unrighteousness. It's yeah. like this is the bad that is you. And so anything you do, even if it's good, we're going to say that's pretty good for a guy who's that bad.
1: <laughs> In Instagram, the next person to ask for critique, I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good for a guy that's as bad as you. Is that what went? That's, that's what we yes. should say to anyone who puts first on YouTube. First? First yeah. comment. That's a pretty good comment for a person as... You, that is you? You
2: know you have committed the fundamental attribution error <laughs> when you start to refer to other people by the person's name who you associate with that particular badness. It's a way of labeling, it's a oh. way of putting a person into a category so that they can't win now. But yeah. he, here's what I think about critiques. They can be emotional and when it's emotional, they did some experiments where they found that if a machine tells you that you did something wrong, it has no emotion in it, you don't want to get back at the machine in the same way that you want to get back at a person who's made the judgment. Because now there's flesh and blood.
1: Huh. It's a revenge thing? Uh, uh, It's like they're hurting you by giving you a critique?
2: Robert Sapolsky talked about it but I can't remember exactly in which lecture it was, Uh, it might have been in one of his Being Human lectures, where they were talking about whether you will take a punishment as long as you can give a punishment to the other person, oh. but people do not do that with a machine.
1: I would think that it's because a machine doesn't have emotion so you know it's not judging you. Yeah. And it's you judging... so you don't have any embarrassment. Right. It's like your own little secret thing. Yeah. So you don't feel bad about it.
2: But critiques are emotional and there, there's a whole handbook of critiques, of how to handle critiques that a, a colleague at Fullerton College uh, gave have me Have you recently. read that book? I've gone through it and I Can want you summarize to. summarize it for us? No, I I'm not prepared to, but I would <laughs> like to. Excuse, this
1: is what this episode's about. I have
2: another colleague who... <laughs> that would have been perfect. We, we put together a Marshall. whole document on what not to do during critiques and what to do. Do you critiques. have this document? Yeah, I have this document. Can you summarize it for us? No, I can't right now. No, <laughs> God not, damn not, it, Marshall. But that's because <laughs> this... it's in process, Stan. <sighs> I mean, I've got the raw material, but you have now elected me to put together a class a on you give a few
1: critiques. memorable bits from that document that you remember that are like, oh, this is gold.
2: Uh, yes, I can. I can oh, tell right. you, there's the, you there it. there is one of my least favorite ones I'll start with. Okay. My least favorite one is the sandwiching technique. Sounds tasty. The sandwiching <laughs> technique is you start with a compliment, okay, yeah, then yeah. you get to the problem, and then you end with a compliment, and that way you spare this person's Wait, feelings. Wait, but
1: that's how to give a critique. Yeah. Not how to handle one? No,
2: I don't have a document on how to oh, handle Oh,
1: this is how to give critiques. Yeah. This is to, a document for teachers.
2: Yeah, it's a document for okay, teachers because well, of the fact that especially when you are in a group of people,
1: mm-hmm.
2: oh gosh Stan, now that we brought this up. What? I've got, I've got 35 years of stories of critiques. But I will say this, I got so sick of critiques because here is what most critiques in my observation have been, okay. and I think it's terrible, I'm is that right gosh, you used blue on that. I think that should have been orange. Oh gosh, I didn't know it should oh, okay. have been. Yeah, it should have been orange. That they're subjective, the, yeah. the subtext underneath it is this piece would have been better if it had been done by me <laughs> as opposed to by you. And, so and you don't learn anything from it. Let's, let's, let's divide uh, two categories. We got the objective stuff. The anatomy is either correct or it isn't or you've taken liberties with it and it's kind of cool or you've taken liberties with it and it's kind of Sloppy. Yeah, but at least there's an objective criteria perspective. There's an objective criteria. Yeah When it comes to the subjective areas The most extreme example I can think of is when a joke is funny or it isn't Mm -hmm. Bob Mankoff makes that as the first point in his TED talk on New Yorker humor. It's a great talk And he says, the most you can hope for is to get a 70% response. Because the funniest jokes are going to be jokes that some people don't think are funny. I've shown Big Lebowski to two different groups within a week's time and one group sat there with their arms folded and practically never chuckled and the other group were falling all over in the aisles. I sat in the back and watched them bob all over, it's the same movie. But they yeah. had a completely different response. So hmm. some of them are going to say, Big Lebowski isn't funny. If a person says, this joke isn't working, they it might just be their opinion. But how do you sort that out? Uh, now, we're taking a long time around on this. But I think that the first thing is, who are you getting the critique from? Is it someone you trust? Okay, I yeah. did. When I did one of my first professional jobs, it was a book cover for Ed Marlowe's, he was a great magician, Marlowe Without Tears, and I remember showing it to a friend He was not an artist but he looked so uncomfortable, I said, what's wrong? He said, why blue? And I had put a blue background in there and that just, that was his only comment about the picture so it, it did not make any difference. Yeah,
1: that on its own is just a stupid critique, yeah.
2: Yeah. So we have to sort through, do you trust your critiquer? Yeah. And is this objective or is it subjective? When I critique, I tell students if it's subjective stuff, I always begin with trash this if it isn't going to help you. But I want to see if I can prompt your thinking to come up with your own ideas. Uh, But back to the fear of critiques.
1: Yeah, like let's assume that a student really does trust the person critiquing because they're maybe much older than they are, they are professional. It, it seems like this person is uh, a good person to listen to, mm-hmm. but they're not. But the student doesn't know this. That this person is actually a bad teacher. They're just a good artist, but a bad teacher. Yeah, and they and that happens they're all the time. Bad too. Cr- yeah, I know, yeah. right? But they're and they're given a bad critique, mm-hmm. so they think they can trust them, and, and like. How do they deal with a critique that's just like really damaging them? Oh gosh, I've got so many
2: stories. I had a Oh, few perfect! If I had we only a had a podcast. I had a <laughs> at a university who loved classic animation. They loved Warner Brothers animation, that kind of thing. And they pre- uh, prepared a presentation to a big name industry professional who trashed them in front of everybody else purely for their taste. This is old stuff. This is not what's happening now. This isn't what sells. You're trying to go into a real industry. And I was not there for it, but they told me about it. I remember fuming about it. Uh, The good news is that those, at least three of those guys, that was 15 years ago, are having really good careers in cartoons because they had a vision for what they wanted. And Mm -hmm. someone who trounced on the vision, uh, it was strong enough to get back up after the trouncing and live. Yeah. So They got thick
1: skin and they learned to navigate through this cold environment
2: i'm i'm inclined right now to categorize i want to categorize okay you got people who are fearful of critiques yeah if you're too fearful of critiques you cannot get better because you can't take negative feedback
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
2: There are people that I know. I have a student right now doing extraordinary work who invites critique and invites critique and invites critique. And when you give critique and give critique, they write everything down, everything down, and then go work on it. And it's amazing to see this student's trajectory to quality. So, those are the two caricatures, the person who can never get better because they can't take anything negative and the person who's going to get great because they invite negativity. However, there is also the person who invites feedback and tries to ingest it all, I had a student like this who wanted everybody's feedback and it yanked the student in so many directions that Mm -hmm. they lost their own vision because they were taking critique too seriously and then on the other hand, you've got the people who say, I am, do not respond, to that. I don't want anybody's feedback because they've got such a powerful vision and they're right. Frank Frazetta seemed like the type yeah. that if you gave him your opinion about his painting, he'd say, I don't care about your opinion, this is my painting and it's good and he was right. Uh, Kubrick yeah. seemed like he had a lot of that in him too. So those are the four categories and each one has its own counterpoint. But it's to me, the ideal is to have a vision. And if you've got someone who shares the vision and understands it, how will they help you go you know, get closer to it by saying, here's where we're off course. And I bring them up uh, really often in my teaching, but I think that they're great examples of it. The Cohen brothers seem like they have a strong enough shared vision to where I just don't imagine them arguing a lot. People who have said that they, when they work with them, that they seem like they're really on key with each other. They're really, they have a shared vision of it. Uh, They know what they want, but they're also open to ideas, which means they know where they're going, but if someone can help us get there better, Mm -hmm. then let's go with that. And that is the combination of, Walter Murch used this analogy about editing, being both, uh, being like an umbrella. If an umbrella is too open, it's no good. If an umbrella is too closed, it's no good. So the only way to make an umbrella good is it has to have the tension between being open and closed. And so being open to something that you sense will really help me, Mm -hmm. but also having the wisdom to be closed to stuff that it doesn't make any difference what that teacher says. I know what I'm going for and that teacher doesn't get it. That's
1: a hard balance to find though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you're kind of new, you should be more open, right? If you're a beginner, how do you judge a critique if you really don't even understand the fundamentals of drawing? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of students, if they if they try to choose what critique is good and what critique is bad, they're just going to go go to that um, excuse that, oh, this is my style, and, like, I meant to do that, like, you know, instead of listening to feedback about fundamentals.
2: Yeah. But the image of the umbrella is... is- always been helpful for me about you, just can, you can be so close that you don't listen to anything and go off the cliff even when people are saying, don't go off of that cliff, Oh, that's their opinion. And yeah. you can be so open that you never have anything that you bring to it because it's just being steered by committee. I think the most important thing is that you get trustworthy mentors, that you get people who are not going to yank your work around simply to make it theirs. That there is some sense of where you are going so that they don't say, don't go to New York, go to Hawaii. They've got an, they've got an idea of where you're going and that you can pretty quickly, I think, pick up whether they're going to help you along yeah. or whether they're going to fit you into their own agenda.
1: And I think there's a nice balance of how many people to, to learn from as well. I think like the Atelier system is a pretty good balance where you're, you're learning from a small group of people. Mm-hmm. So you're not yanked in too many directions. Like at a university, you might have 30 instructors. Um, but you're not just getting feedback from one person. Right. right? So it's a small group. They mostly have similar opinions. So they're teaching you similar fundamentals. Like the structure of the school has a very similar direction that they're going towards, but they're all still individual teachers that have opinions, and they're gonna talk to you in different ways, and so you you have that variety, but also it's a focused variety, and I think that's yeah. a very good balance.
2: I do too. Community, a uh, s- uh, small community is a big part. Given the uh, aside from the reality of mob mentality. That groups can go really wrong in some ways. There is something to be said that when somebody says, this isn't working for me or I wish this group were more than this way that you get this dialogue going in to balance it. In my little group of students that we used to huddle in the studio of uh, the house that my dad built, we had many, many conversations and we came to a group conclusion that we needed to learn how to draw out of imagination which we were not taught. Okay. And so, that was where the group mentality was that there is something missing from here. How do we seek it out? And then when one person finds it, everybody else is thirsty for the same well that you have found. Okay, this brings us
1: to our next segment. Voicemail
2: questions? Vo- voicemail questions. Do we have is real that the questions name? from real living people?
1: I hope so. Real people. We do we really do have some. We really do. Gonna play so we really do. Do. we yeah. okay, so we just posted an Instagram story. We did. like 30 minutes ago to call a number and to ask us or leave a voicemail with a question. And actually, I should I should tell them the number so that so you guys after this podcast is done, after you're done listening to this, call this number and ask your question and we might include it in one of the future episodes. So the number to call is 858-609-9453. Leave a voicemail, ask a question. All right, Charlie, What can you play us um, the first or the only? Do you have the, the best one or how many are there? Here, we'll start <laughs> off with this one. So many questions for you.
0: Hello? Oh. I'm not really sure how this works. Can you hear me? Oh, no, you can't answer me. Anyways, hi. My name is
1: Teresa, <laughs> and I could not believe when I saw that you posted your actual phone number on Instagram. I was like, wow, brave. <laughs> Anyways, I follow you on all of your social media, on Charlie, YouTube this is and horrible. Twitter, obviously Let's pick another one. That was Caitlyn, was was
2: right? Caitlyn you know, right? did that, and she was <laughs> you saw through it. No, it was <laughs> so, was so bad. Caitlyn. I believed her. Wait, really? I thought it was someone You thought who, that was real? But I it was like a personal ad.
1: Oh my God, that was fake. Okay, sorry for that, guys. That was my assistant. <laughs> is there another one? There's a real one. God dang it, she's fired. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Dan, and my question is, um, I want to know how um, attempting styles like photorealism um, will sort of benefit... Um, other art styles, like more illustrative styles, um, because many people have advised me to um, attempt photorealism and that'll kind of help teach me how to, I guess, render better in other styles. So I just wondered what your thoughts are on sort of the benefits of attempting photorealism and if it's worth it. And yeah, thanks. That's a good question. It's a really good question. I'm glad we did this. I have I have lots to say well, didn't maybe too. just one you, you can go thing. first okay i i think the benefits of photorealism or not even necessarily photorealism representational i don't think it has to be extremely detailed you know cuz photorealism implies detailed like to the point where you're like rendering like little uh, like skin pores mm-hmm. um I think it just has to be representational and the reason it's good to learn that is because you learn the science of how we see things. Um, so, you learn color theory, you learn how, how light on form works. Um, and if you have that goal of making it perfectly realistic you, or, or make, depicting it correctly, the way we see it, you, you're putting a high standard for yourself to learn things correctly and not get away with any kind of um, mistake. You know, when you you have these hard rules, then anything that's off is a mistake and it's not like a stylistic choice anymore, right? right? So you have very clear rules and that gives you the ability to learn all these things at a very high level. And then once you learn all of these rules, all of these sciences, then you'll be better at breaking these rules i don't think that repre- or not represent i don't think that photorealistic art is necessarily like the best form of art i i think that it's just a great way of studying nature um and then you can take that wherever you want to go
2: i feel exactly the same way i in fact photorealism as art bores me yeah however If you want to master technique, what better way could it be? I, one of my first drawing projects in basic drawing was I copied a photograph of Jimmy Page and did it with stippling. So I could look back and forth at the photograph and try to match the values with little dots. There was only black and white, there was no gray. And then to master graphite technique, one of the best ways to master pencil is to copy a photograph and copy it exactly. And that way you've got an objective standard against the measure. This goes to the, the critique thing. Wanna master watercolor? Well, water watercolor is more expressive, medium. But one way to get familiar with the materials is to copy a photograph and use washes and dry brush and that kind of thing. Because again, you either hit it or you didn't. Your value was off or it wasn't. Your color was the yeah. right temperature or not. So it's a great way to get familiar with your tools, your technique, developing your eye sensitivity to value, sensitivity to color, uh, and also you get a little product out of it so that your family who may know nothing about art say, look, my kid did this. This person's special. That's what, that was a big part of with me is like if I can do a picture of Jimmy Page and make it look like the photograph with little dots, I've got to have something like talent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the drawings I did early on, were just of my family. Mm-hmm. Your family, it, are, they're free models, you guys. Have your, your brother, your sister just sit there for 30 minutes and <laughs> try to draw a moving person. but Or just a photograph. I, I mostly drew it from photographs Yeah. Um, as a kid until I had access to live models. But the, um, anything other than reality becomes kind of an opinion, doesn't it? It's I like it's so, not yeah. true anymore. And so then it is it's like, is this right or is this wrong, the feedback loop is no longer objective, it's, it's subjective. It, it, this ties into what we are talking about, about critique. Yes. Like you can't critique something that doesn't have a, a right or a wrong uh, unless it's just an opinion.
2: But there is so. a valuable way to objectify the stuff that you love just because it's your opinion that you love it. And Dan, at the beginning of your question, I think you said something about style. And this is also a great way to get style. You choose the stylistic masters that you care about and then you copy their style. Don't do it for your whole career ideally, but to do it for the first year or so of your training.
1: I copied different styles for like 10 years. Yeah, even even a few years. Even as a professional, you can get inspiration for different styles depending on the project you're doing. Yes you know you're doing a painting of of something that's it has to be a dragon you you can go to some game of thrones concept art and look at that and or you could take some kind of style from something completely unrelated to that and kind of mix and match it yeah um it, it depends like i i change up my style a lot depending on what i'm doing yeah
2: and a great way to change style efficiently is to simply choose a stylistic master that you admire. Say I'm going to do it that way. Again, I'm sorry for I, I'll do this a lot. I'm bringing the Cohen brothers in an example. But the reason I bring them in is because I've studied them. Every interview they've done, you know, I've listened to. I, I pay attention to I them. I
1: feel like they're here with us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they, they did the Hudsucker Proxy, which I showed this last week to my students. It's an extraordinary film, even if it failed. But they did it in response to old movies from the 30s and 40s, Preston Sturges, Howard Hawks, Frank Capra. It was a style of movie making that was popular back then. And they, in the 1990s, did it with the production value of the 1990s. And so they are taking an old style saying, let's see if we can do that. And they did it. And they've done that over and over. So to take, do homages to, even when you're a professional or when you're a student at least, to say, let me see if I can do it like another grown-up." put on that grown-up's clothes and then become that grown-up.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Dan. For That was a great yeah, question. Yeah, good question, good, yeah. Um, Marshall, you know what it's time for?
2: What is it time for?
1: What's your thang? Oh, say that again. I like how you say <laughs> that. <It's a> good... <laughs> what's your thang? Wow. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to say what? Oh, <laughs> what? I was just impressed
2: with your what's your thing. There you go. Very good. I great.
1: don't, we don't actually have a name for it. No. We just wanted to have a segment where we talk about something that we found that's new that we like, or maybe not new, just
2: something that we like, okay, Marshall, what do you like? Well, I've got so many things on my mind, I gotta sort through it hey can it does it have to, can it be something that I'm excited about that hasn't yet happened? yeah, okay uh in Southern California and in the Inland Empire at Brainstorm Inland Holy Empire. Holy
1: crap, what the hell? Is, is it okay for me to do are this? Where are you
2: going with this? I'm doing an, an advertisement. <laughs> are you giving us a history lesson? No, I'm giving an advertisement. Okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am going to co-teach for five weeks a class with my former student, Vance Kovacs, who did, he is one of the ones who designed the animals for this new Lion King movie, as well as many other things. And this is going to be our first chance to teach together. We've been talking about it for years. We are going to have a class called Lessons from Masters and it is specifically about adopting your stylistic parents so that you can be like them for your artwork. We're going to spend five weeks introducing them to Howard Pyle and N.C. Wyeth and Beatrix Potter. This is related to
1: this episode. It's related to
2: this. That's why I was so excited about (laughs) it. Okay. Tying it in, Marshall. It is an advertisement, but it is also something I'm quite excited about because Vance and I have been conversing on the phone for many years, but we haven't really had any outlet for it. And now we've got five Tuesday evenings that we are going to be with students live in a classroom and share our favorite artists and derive lessons from them and also encourage the students, even on the first week, to adopt your artistic parents. So that you can—you didn't get to choose your real parents, but you do get to choose your artistic parents, and that's <laughs> what this true. is going to be about. There's a link if they're the no, YouTube. If, if we'll granted links. that this is out in time, this is coming up in the end of May.
1: Yeah, this will this will probably come out like right before that, so they'll probably have time to.
2: Yeah, even if it's right before that, because we yes. hope to do it again if it works. Perfect. And yeah, we hope. Yeah, to we'll have a link around.
1: if you guys are in the what area?
2: The uh, Southern California area. It's between oh, okay. Los. It's it's to the. What's east of Los Angeles, okay. north of Orange County, Inland Empire is what it's called. Yeah, when you said Empire, I thought
1: you were giving us a history lesson about like the some Empire. Oh. I was like, whoa, 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 Marshall, that's not. It's your like thing. saying the, the five fr- the ancient, Empire. <laughs> the ancient Inland Empire. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I, sorry, yeah. people okay. who I,
2: I forget that you know it's like referring to a local freeway. Yeah, the Inland Empire. Everybody in Southern California knows is east of L.A., north of Orange County, it. and it's okay. a big desert. Well, mine's not as cool as yours. Oh, I'm sorry. You should have gone first.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna go with a quick one this time. Okay. Um, I'm really into these walking shoes.
2: <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, I love this shoes.
1: This rolls up. Wow. Into a little thing like this.
2: But something that rolls up into a little thing like that Whoop. couldn't have that much support for your foot.
1: It doesn't have like any support for your foot. That's the point? Yeah,
2: it's like walking barefoot.
1: So it's like a vibram almost? Oh, a, what? A vibram? 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 Those toad shoes. I really don't know what. A oh, that is one brand of it, I believe. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I don't know that specific brand, but th- I don't know if I should do it. This one's called Barefoot. But the point of it is that you're strengthening your feet. These have been around for a while. It's not new. I just, I've just, I walk to work almost every day. And so this actually has helped me a lot in like just back issues and that's great. strengthen your feet and i i've actually uh, i've tried running in these and it helps i learned about myself that i'm a toe runner you know you know i, I thought
2: everybody was a toe runner that was a difference no between... you land on
1: your toes not on your heel
2: oh that yeah so that's odd
1: it's odd and you if you're a toe runner and you wearing uh running shoes that have a lot of uh, padding on the heel, you naturally you kind of have to run with your heel and it goes against your natural run okay. I think. I don't know much about this I'm not like yeah. a foot scientist but now we but, know something about you but I, it's so much more natural for me to run with, my, with landing on my toes and I read about it and I guess it's actually a little bit better to run with your, run, landing on your toes is better for your knees So you are, it's more um, more padding with the heel it's like a, a you're striking and there's a lot more um, shock to your knees and stuff
2: I wanna be more like toes you. Toes are
1: padded. Yeah. A toe. Plus, runner. I think aren't the the fastest like sprinters, don't they land on their toes?
2: Charlie, no you idea. should know. Charlie, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Never> <laughs> I don't know. You back. guys look it up. Never heard fastest that.
1: it yeah, something toe about like the top something in percent I don't know, whatever. I'm just it doesn't matter, but I like these shoes a lot. I've I'm actually more comfortable in them now. Yeah. Than I am in shoe, in like normal shoes. Okay.
2: How much are we talking?
1: They're most, usually around a hundred or hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. They, the whole, the only thing they have is like the, it's rubber on the bottom so you don't step on like a sharp thing and poke yourself. It'll protect you from stuff on yeah, the street. Yeah, but it has like no
2: support. Okay.
1: Yeah, you can really feel the texture of the ground. That
2: you feel on. Yeah, you feel the ground. You too can have hundred dollar shoes that give you no support. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> product brought to you by lazy
1: <laughs> okay um yeah that's it guys thank you very much for, good question for dan joining thank us. you um please give us a good rating on itunes and leave a comment down below what's your thing if you're listening or if you're watching this on youtube yeah and actually that's a good point if you guys are listening to this there is a youtube version with video if you want if you prefer that and if you're watching this there is a audio version on any podcast app that you prefer so you could listen to it while you're driving or while you're painting. So, please subscribe, broker.com slash Draftsman. Leave us a comment, leave us a like, leave us a heart, give yeah. us give us your money.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, we'd like to know what you think. <laughs> yeah. Like to get feedback from yeah, you. Yeah, give
1: us, give us feedback and tell us what you think.
2: Okay. Great. Thanks. All right.
1: Bye, guys. Bye.